This is Mandy Leon, and you are listening to another wrestling podcast. It's time for uh, another wrestling podcast. We are taking over. Drink it in, man. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. And if you're not done with that, then he's got two words for you. When we talk about the legends of the sport, there's only two in my book. A-W-B, another wrestling podcast. All right, all right. Welcome to another wrestling podcast. I'm Credo. And I'm everyone's favorite asshole, Angry Cooter. And we are the social assassins. And of course, we're just calling it how we see it, baby. Straight out of Poughkeepsie, New York, the most historic city of pro wrestling around. That's where we're coming from each and every week. Uh, And another wrestling podcast. This is episode 138, Cooter. Are you ready? I'm still not fired. <laughs> I said, are you ready? <laughs> for for another pay-per-view? <laughs> yeah, man, another pay That's exactly what we're happening tonight. Uh, we're going to be talking about Roadblock. Uh, it's basically become like every other episode of the show is a pay-per-view now. Uh, oh that's the, that's what's happened with this whole brand split year. But we're going to run down, run it down as uh, best and fast as we can without... You know, we know you got precious time out there, and uh, you don't want to listen to an hour of talking about each, every other week about a pay-per-view, but regardless, uh, you know, also joining us today, like each and every week, we have an uh, awesome guest. We have Kevin Cross joining us. Uh, He might have a a deal coming up with Lucha Underground we're going to find out about, so stay tuned. Uh, If you don't know about Kevin Cross, you're going to know more about him in uh, the next uh, few minutes. So stay tuned for that one, too. uh, Each and every week, you know, we talk about wrestling. Uh, We talk about some of the biggest topics in wrestling. That's what's great about about our show compared to a lot of other shows to where you can go listen to each and every show, whether it's an arm bar or a leg drop cast or whatever these podcasts are called. You know, they're they're talking about Raw, every freaking match that you watch. They're talking about SmackDown, uh, NXT, Lucha Underground, impact i'm like okay we watch the shows but it doesn't mean we have to talk about every match that happens so you know at the top of the show we try to try to break it down to the biggest topics each week and then we like to have a nice evergreen topic so uh i think the one thing we haven't touched on in two years is psychology psychology and pro wrestling uh we'll bring that up in a little bit uh so stay tuned for that one once again guys girls children of all ages head on over to another wrestling podcast.com you'll find all of our past shows all of our links to social media and beyond all right credo i mean we got so much going on let's just get right into the week that was shall we all right uh right off the top of the back order they announced this week wwe they're going to have uh, a tournament, a new tournament in January. In a few weeks, uh, the United for the United Kingdom Championship. It's going to be on the network. Uh, what are your thoughts about this? I mean, we're going to have a, a UK Championship. Uh, there's a lot of questions to be had about this, but what, what are your initial thoughts about this? 
Uh, I see that it's a 16-man tournament. I absolutely have no idea on any of who these guys were. Um, <laughs> There's a lot of all, all you marks out there, man. Like you're like, oh, these this is fabulous. I I can't wait to to see some of these guys. And like I'm like, shut up. You probably have no idea who like half these guys are anyway. I mean, yeah, but I mean, you know what? Here's the thing. Like I mean, a handful of guys out there with big names. So everybody else, I'm like, come on, you don't really know who they are. I don't need to know who they are. I mean, I didn't know half the guys in the Cruiserweight Classic. I'll be the first to admit that I am not the smartest person of knowing everybody from every promotion in the Indies. I don't follow everything, but it doesn't mean that it's not going to be a good tournament. And, you know, there is something good that comes out of this that we found out Nigel McGuinness is going to be the next member of, of a WWE announced team. He's going to be calling this uh, tournament with Michael Cole. And uh, I've, I've heard him on the Ring of Honor broadcasts back in the day. He's he's pretty good announcer. Yeah, man. You know, he, he, you know the color commentating, you know? Yeah, and he's uh, probably coming full circle now because I think we saw him years ago compete in his last Ring of Honor match against Brian Danielson, now Daniel Bryan. And what we heard is that he was on his way to the WWE at that point, too, but he failed a physical, so he never really made it into the WWE. He ended up going into TNA. Then he was in Ring of Honor, and just a few days ago, people were wondering what happened to Nigel McGuinness, and now we know what happened to Nigel McGuinness. I guess he had a little backroom deal with WWE, and uh, he's finally making his way into the WWE, but this time on the commentating side. So uh, it's going to be interesting. You know, this is going to be happening at Blackpool's Empress Ballroom. Uh, I mentioned before, it's just a two-day tournament. Uh, I, I'm curious if... It's going to happen. So they had. Uh, there's a lot of questions going on about this. I mean, uh, so it's a two-day tournament, but I mean, uh, how long is it going to be on the network? Is it like a five-hour special, a two-hour special, one day, a two-hour special? You know, like they haven't really narrowed out the details yet. So we just got all this news, uh, you know, the past few days ago, the f- few days ago. So uh, it's interesting, needless to say. But Cooter, I have uh, I have some questions I need to pick your brain about because this is the first. These are some of the things that I had questions about as soon as i heard this okay what do we got what do you okay, got so uh we're gonna get the uk champion out of this now the belt is exactly like the wwe heavyweight champion and the universal championship uh so now does this mean this title will only be defended in the uk oh god or uh, oh, is it only going to be against uh can only uk wrestlers have the championship uh are you gonna get are you are, oh, are we gonna get a uk 205 live show or whatever they call it. you know is it going to be uh just a just a show on the network like nxt 205 and now the uk one um it, it, now is it on the same line as the u.s championship because you have the uk championship a u.s championship oh god and and or, or is this just the european championship reincarnated i mean all these <laughs> questions have come to mind and they have yet to be answered answer some of these for me please uh, all right why let, let me answer a question by asking you a question did you see the picture of the belt i did it is absolutely looks nothing like the wwe championship or the universal title it actually looks like a pretty cool belt well it's i mean it's the same same pretty much thing just the middle part is different there's no yeah, big w, well, it's just a little it's, w it's and it's the same shape you know i mean mm. but but that being said why are you so pessimistic why <laughs> why must you have so many questions about things just wait for it, and then when it happens, try to enjoy it. Don't <laughs> be one of those angry marks that has to know 
everything I before know. I had to know. Well, here's I the thing. When, when they had the Cruiserweight Classic, all we understood is that they were going to get a trophy. And then uh, on like the final show, we realized that the winner was also going to be receiving the new Cruiserweight uh, Championship. So that was kind of a surprise. This one, we already got it off the bat saying, hey, there's going to be a tournament in the UK and... It's for this new UK championship. So that's right off the bat. There's no surprise involved. We know what's going to happen with the winner, but uh, we just don't know, does this winner go to Raw? You know, is he going to go to SmackDown? Is it just going to be on a UK show? I'm just kind of curious because right now it's 2016 was just a a plethora of new championships. And I'm afraid that a lot of these are going to be retired in uh, probably three years down the line. So I'm kind of curious what's really going on, but it's exciting. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. It is definitely exciting. Uh, but now are we going to get a Canadian championship? Are we going to get a oh South God, American championship? Stop! <laughs> How about a, the African championship? Oh, no. Oh, Credo. God damn it. Mexican I'm supposed to be the asshole. You're being a dick right now. <laughs> little role reversal on the show today. Oh, no. <laughs> God damn. Oh, well, right. it, well, it's a, moving a on. <laughs> well, there you go. We, we get a UK championship uh, tournament happening in probably just under three weeks from now. So it's uh, definitely exciting times for WWE as they expand in their market. So uh, I know another thing we want to bring up, though, and you're going to love this. The New Day are finally the longest reigning champs, finally beating Demolition's record. Are you happy? Are you are you thrilled that we got past this to where they pretty much ruined the tag team division just to beat a stupid, silly record in pro wrestling? Oh, thank God. Oh, thank God that the New Day <laughs> are the longest reigning tag team champions in history. You know, I wanted to be a dick and say it like that, but <laughs> I have to be honest. Those matches, both of them, two triple threats, just incredible. Which one did you like better? Uh, I liked the first match. I mean, I, I, I thought it was. I thought something was going to happen with the second match. So I didn't really have high hopes <laughs> or just seeing what was going on. I was, I was more invested in their first match because I was like, all right, are they going to? Is Vince going to you know pull the carpet out from everybody and just you know screw them out of breaking this record? But you know, so it was more. I was more hyped into the first match. The second match, I was like. Eh, I, you know, I, I don't know. But I think the first the first one I was definitely... Uh, I, I, for a moment there, <clears throat> excuse me, when uh, Cesaro just went ballistic, beat the piss out of everybody, <laughs> and I, I was like, oh my God, he's actually going to do it. I mean, that match was incredible. They did uh, the finisher where Cesaro held up somebody and got hit with the bro kick. I mean, they just... They're working so well as a team. I could see them uh, getting the belts potentially at the next pay per view. I, I really have enjoyed them as a team. And that's this, this Sunday oddball. too. <laughs> and you and you hate when they throw these random people together. But I guarantee I you, that in the next couple of months, you're going to be on Cesaro and Sheamus's dick, bro. I promise you. I'm I'm still not. I'm still not. And here's why: because when the club, the Bullet Club, we could say Bullet, right? Uh, when the Bullet Club came in, they had so much momentum for them. I don't know why they broke them up. That was the stupidest decision ever. To where AJ had to go to SmackDown and they stayed on Raw. And in their first, you know, the first time they uh, defended the titles against the Bullet Club that's when they should have changed the titles. I feel like the club has lost so much momentum just because they wanted to break demolition streak. I feel that this stupid streak being broken has put so much, so much uh, just 
the things to the back. They pushed so many things to the back burner because they wanted to beat the streak, right? So we didn't give the the, the championships to the club, which they should have gotten, just to give that momentum of them coming in uh, and build them up as bigger heels in the in the division. And then okay, then they defended it against a handful of other guys. And a handful of other guys, like it's been nonstop defending the championships against the same teams and then beating the same teams over and over. And it's, that is just too, like in this day and age, you don't need to hold on to the championships for that long. Uh, Obviously they have some grudge against demolition. I know with that whole lawsuit going on that they just wanted to get them out of the record books, but still, you know, it's like, I feel like, okay, you want to hold on for this special for this special reign. You wanted to have them surpass. You wanted this day and age, this, this team to, to beat them. Uh, and you know, it's just like, okay, but while you were doing this, you also buried a lot of guys. You buried the club at least by defeating them over and over and over. Uh, they should have won them at SummerSlam. You know, they, that would have been fine, but just to beat this stupid streak, man, I feel like they just pushed all these teams down in the back and it's just like, you're not helping the division at all. You know, here's, here's my issue with what you're saying, Credo. Um, you're just not a fan of the new day and they got, (laughs) they got old to you, honestly, because think of it this way. When CM Punk held the belt for as long as he did and is the longest uh, reigning champion in the modern era, you really didn't have much to say, you You know know I mean? It's because you were, you, you were a fan of CM Punk and now where it's a team that you don't like. No, 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 no. No, oh, no, just, it has to be because CM you're, you're, Punk you're had not... many, many opponents. So he he didn't. Uh, the New Day have faced the club at least three or four times and beat them. Have faced Sheamus and Cesaro at least two times already and beat them. And they, like so, Punk had a, 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 you know I can't forget all, everybody he faced, but it was somebody different every every other month or something. And he kept doing that, and that's why it didn't seem as long to me. But these guys. The new day, uh, you know, it's just they. I feel like they've been doing the same thing to the same opponents over and over and over. To where, okay, if they beat the club, fine. Now we move on to somebody else and do that, and then we move on to somebody else. And if they kept moving on to somebody else, I think it would have been okay. But it's like they beat the club on the pay per view, then they beat them on Raw, then they beat them on you know whatever else, and it was just like okay, it's the same match over and over. And I think at that point, that's when I started hating them because then it was just too repetitive. Of like, there's no progression of of, of what's happening. You know, it's just the same people losing over and over and they they really didn't have any other teams to, to move it around on or just you know to feud with and i feel like we're just stuck in limbo until we get past this stupid streak you know <laughs> so that, that was the only thing so i did like the new day and i'm just i'm just like it's so i'm over now it's old it's the old day now so that's that's the only thing so i, I have nothing against them I, you got to give them credit they took this Credo, credo, this credo. gimmick and you know went to the sky with it you know when everybody thought they would have failed and they definitely did wonder how do you start off as like a church choir singing to fucking going out with rainbow pants and like bootios and a unicorn thing and make it you know it's just like if you look at how they first came together to where they are now it's definitely incredible and i'll give them credit for that credo let's just move on because if you <laughs> keep bitching about the new day new your day? rant is gonna last longer than fucking new day's fucking championship reign <laughs> welcome to episode <laughs> <new day>. 1653 <laughs> well regardless the streak has been broken now the the real question is do they lose it this sunday or do they lose it at the rumble so uh or do they wait <laughs> even till mania that's a little bit too long but uh hopefully sooner than later all right. Well, let's 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 keep it moving, Credo. <laughs> I am a big fan of the 205 Live show. 
I know you haven't really been invested all that much, but great episode this week. We had we had some great matches, uh, but the most interesting thing to me is one of my personal favorites comes back soon. Tajiri will be on the roster for 205 Live coming soon. I cannot wait for the Japanese buzzsaw. My God, but this show is is really gaining heat. I mean. You had a great main event with Rich Swan and uh, T.J. Perkins. And, uh, God, the Extraordinary Gentleman versus Drew Gulak. That was another classic mat wrestling match. Two great mat wrestlers in the ring. It's always one of my favorite things to watch, chain wrestling. Just the stuff that these two were pulling off, man. You really got to start watching. You got to get into this, man. Oh, yeah. Trust me, I am. I'm just – man, there's like – Three hours of Raw, then two hours of SmackDown, then it's like not—it's like a lot to do each week. I'm stuck in a bubble of like the Disney Channel with my two girls, so I'm not. Like, I know. <laughs> I'm in three different worlds, going three different ways. Uh, but yeah, man, uh, it—it's it, it, the the universe of WWE is growing, and it's growing at a rapid pace that I, I've never seen before. So it's definitely exciting. Uh, you know, Tajiri returning to the WWE. You know, you who'd have even said this? I would have never even thought about this two years ago like no way why would they ever bring him back there's no need and you know WWE has changed so much this year on you know throwing out the old rules and just rewriting them this year to where guys like Tajiri can make a comeback guys like Brian Kendrick can make a comeback and I love it I'm loving that they're doing that you know it's definitely revitalizing a lot of these guys out there who thought you know you thought they were pretty much done like they had their 15 minutes in WWE and that was it but we need that now, and that's one thing they've lacked for a while is having some of these names, these vets to help work with the younger guys. And you know, yeah, help. you got to have somebody to yeah. give these guys the rub. You know what I mean? These these are recognizable guys that you know the casual fan might recognize. You might recognize Tajiri. He had so many classic matches, not just in WWE, but I mean, the hardcore fans for ECW loved Tajiri. So I mean, that might bring in. You know, that group of people who, who might want to watch. I mean, he is one of those guys who could just do a little bit of everything. One of the most fiercest strikers in the history of wrestling. I mean, his high-flying ability. He, I saw stuff from Tajiri that, in the Cruiserweight Classic that I had not seen since his ECW days. I mean... The guy still performs at a high level, and I'm really interested to see him working with. I would love to see him versus Tozawa. I mean, I think that would be just yeah. an incredible match between the two of them. Yeah, man. There's uh, endless possibilities. A lot of stuff's happening, and you know, I hope they keep doing this. It's hard to. I need like a, to see the names on the wall of like who else could they possibly bring back? Because you know, when they brought Kendrick back, when they brought Tajiri back, I was like. Wow, I, I didn't even think they were still doing anything. You know what I mean? Like, I'm uh, there's probably a lot of guys out there who are still in great shape that could still go. And I just don't, you know, it, it's going to be an interesting 2017, needless to say, because I think uh, we just got a little bit of uh, a touch of this towards the middle and end of the year. And who knows what 2017 is going to hold? So uh, it's it's definitely an interesting time to be a, a wrestling fan, especially. Yeah, you WWE know what, Credo? I, I I got I got a crazy prediction. The way that we've seen. People returning, new things happening. I wouldn't be surprised if the day after WrestleMania we get a CM Punk return. I would love that. I'm saying, man, you know, <laughs> you never know. I mean, never I would say never love in wrestling. To see that 
You never say no. I don't think it's going to happen, but I would love to see that happen. That, that's what I'm saying. I think Punk, unfortunately, left right when all these changes were happening a little bit. And, you know, maybe – who knows? If he didn't leave, would some of the stuff have even changed? So That's a great question. I, I've, I've often wondered – if certain things would have happened, would would Brian Dan would Daniel Bryan have won the title yep. if CM Punk hadn't left? I mean, just look at the ramifications of the history in the last few years if he did not leave. I mean, that is a great question. Yeah. But what if? And you know, guys like he always uh, campaigned for was uh, Samoa Joe, Austin Aries, and all all these guys are now in the WWE. So uh, I really hope Punk kind of figure out how did we get into this? That's great. Like we started talking about Tajiri and now we're on CM Punk, but uh, <laughs> yeah, man, at, at, at the end of the day, anything could happen, especially in 2017. So uh, I think we'll have to save that for another show, but uh, you know, speaking of Samoa Joe, is this the end of Samoa Joe and NXT? Uh, you know, we saw the final, the final match of them in the cage match uh, on NXT. Uh, who's going to step up next Cooter for, uh, to be uh, Nakamura's next contender. Oh man! I mean, they had a little bit of a tournament to to get into this fatal four way elimination. Guys involved are going to be uh, Bobby Roode, Roddy Strong, Ty Dillinger, and Andrea. I, I can never say this fucking guy's name. Andrade Almas. Um, double A. That's all. Yeah, there call you him. go. Let's just call him Double A because I always <laughs> fuck up his name. Every I'm like a stuttering prick when I try to say. Oh, his man, name. It, it doesn't roll off the tongue easily. So yeah, I hear you. <laughs> There's a lot of guys in here. I mean, if, with Nakamura having the belt, they're going to have to give it, uh, you know, they, they always do the classic uh, heel versus face. So it's either going to be Bobby Roode or Double uh, A because uh, Roddy, Roddy's just a great face and Ty Dillinger is just so goddamn over. That would that would, and this is why uh, we're gonna talk psychology later. Yeah. Those face to face competitions. Uh, I mean, as great as I think they are, they don't go so well with the fans. Just the crowd reactions don't go the way that maybe the matches uh, want to be booked. You know. Yeah, and here's the thing. I think. I would love to see in 2017 them actually putting the NXT championship on one of their upcoming guys. Uh, don't get me wrong, because if you look back at some of the early NXT champions, you had Seth Rollins, okay? You also had Big E, who was an NXT champion. You also had Bo Dallas and Neville as NXT champions. Uh, and now where those guys are like, bar- uh, well, not all of them, but, you know, they're like mid-card guys. They're not, you know, besides Seth Rollins or whatever, but... Yeah, you know, but two of those guys you mentioned were, were were indie darlings, too. I mean, Rollins was Tyler Black, and and uh, your boy uh, Neville was Pac. So, I mean, no, these of were guys who were big on the indies. Of course, these, but here... Those, what, what I'm saying is they were not homegrown talent. No, yeah, but now, I mean, for the past few years, we've had, what, we've had Kevin Steen, then we've had uh, Finn Balor, and now we got, you know, Nakamura uh, and Samoa Joe. I mean, I haven't seen uh, an NXT champion in the past... How long? A few years. That's been an actually, you know, a, a homegrown talent. So a guy like Ty Dillinger, I would love to see get the championship. A guy, uh, you know, um, I think what, here's the thing. What I think is going to happen at the end of the day, it all depends on when they want Nakamura to move up. If they want him up by like after WrestleMania or whatnot, I would see somebody maybe like Bobby Roode getting it, and then having him be the champion to help build, you know, some upcoming champions. But if they don't want to bring him up, then I would rather it not go to like a Bobby Roode 
or another, you know, or Austin Aries or anything like that and have him stick with, you know, like a Ty Dillinger or uh, Andre, 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 Andrade. See, I'm not the oh, only this, one. It's fucking, who would have ever thought of that? How name? does Corey Graves say his name so easily? What the fuck, dude? <laughs> what a horrible ring name. If, like, you're just, if you have, like, casual people just not even realizing how the hell to say your name, why would you even, anyway. But, yeah. Andrade, it's like a fucking throat virus or something. I don't know. <laughs> there we go. It's called throat virus. Uh, but yeah, long story short, I think I would really love to see them build some of their own guys instead of just giving it to a TNA guy or, you know, I mean, I, I understand giving it to like the established guys to help, you know, build the brand a little bit. But I mean, it's built, you know what I mean? It's it's time to start making some champions down there besides guys who, uh, who've been in the business for over 10 years. So that, I, I that, that's what I'm hoping for. Put it on a homegrown guy, but these veteran superstars that we're getting from these other promotions, as good as they are, they need a little bit of polish. I mean, mm-hmm. Samoa Joe has always been a great worker, but I think being in NXT helped build his character. Look what they're doing to a Bobby Roode. I mean, it's who- totally defined his uh, his legacy, if you will. I mean, he was doing shit in TNA, and it was just like they weren't using him right. They're finally using guys right, like Bobby Roode. Like, <laughs> I, I hated Bobby Roode. I hated Beer Money. It was stupid. Like, and now he comes in like with this character. I'm like, holy crap! All he needed to be, <laughs> all he needed was that little bit of a push in WWE, right. and it's like, holy crap! I I never realized the potential of this guy. You know. That's why they call it developmental. It's not just to develop your own talent. It's also to polish off, you know, a, a well-oiled vet who, who just needs to knock some of the dust off. You know what I mean? <laughs> I hear you. Uh, but, yeah, man, it's going to be, like I said, I think we're going to have to do a good end-of-the-year show and talk about what's ahead in 2017. I think this will fit perfect into that. But uh, Yes, yes, definitely. Did you see the video with Shad Gaspard? Uh Brooklyn, Brooklyn. <laughs> the, uh, did you see this video where some guy pulled yes. a gun at him in a, a, a convenience store or whatever? Uh, I guess the man, uh, he threatened him uh, with an airsoft gun. So it wasn't even a real gun. <laughs> so, but he so, didn't know. I know of course. I mean, yeah. Real gun. That's what's so great. Shad Gaspard is a bad motherfucker, dude. That is not somebody I would ever want to test because – Guy pulls a gun. I'm not granted. This was a little punk. I mean, looked like a scrawny little nobody, like a punk little kid that I probably would have slapped the shit out of. But you know what? Even if a skinny little prick is pulling a pistol out on me or whatever, whether it looked real or not, I'm probably shitting my pants. <laughs> so for him to just take this guy, take that gun out of his hand and slam his head into a door throw him on the ground outside and, and pat him down for more weapons. Like, dude, we all know we had like a, a, a background, time, like body <laughs> Don't get me wrong. But I mean, that's a real dude, man. Don't fuck with Shad Gaspard. From crime time to crime fighter, man. That's yes. it. He's got a new gimmick. Bring him back. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, and it's always cool to see stuff like that, you know, uh, just wrestlers kicking ass outside of the ring, too. So, uh, you know, one other thing, too, I think we talked about real quick is uh, China's autopsy. It's complete, Cooter. Uh, Let, me guess. Let me guess. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> uh, it was either AIDS from that she got from her porno tape, 
drugs or probably booze? Which one was it? Well, yeah, the, the latter. Yeah, it was uh, drugs and alcohol, a combination of oh, drugs so and alcohol. Oh, so two out of three. I was close. Okay. You know, I'm not no doctor, and I'm not saying anything about her death or making fun of it, so shut up. But, I mean, uh, anybody out there is like, oh, they're making fun of her. No. just any. Uh, it doesn't take a genius, but, I mean, okay, if you're on medication, who? Do, why the fuck are you drinking alcohol? Like, it's common sense. Like, what? what are you that stupid? Like, I mean... And it, it, what's funny is that these people are uh, China. She's a bodybuilder. She's a you know a person that kept her body in shape. You know what I mean? Like she's somebody who knows physical fitness. You think you think they would know that mixing alcohol with prescription medication is a no no. And these are the results, man. You know she was trying to make a comeback, trying to you know revitalize her career, trying to get away from that whole that porn name under her to where she made a few bucks, but. This little thing ended uh, China's life, man. Fucking mixing drugs and alcohol. And I'm saying, man, if you're on prescription drugs, just fucking drink water. You don't fucking swallow it with beer or whatever the fuck you're drinking. Like, come on. I mean, uh, come on. Eh, you know. I've, I've, I've had my fun back in the day, Credo. I have. I'm not going to lie. But, but I'm going to say this. Y- you got to know your limits. You know, I mean, some people just like to push that bar way too high you know what i mean and and it's 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 a shame you know and 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 i like to make jokes and stuff because that's what i do it's sad that she fell victim because it is a disease bro once once it's got you it's so hard to escape believe me i know it's it's sad but again it is it's not just common sense bro it's demons and sometimes they just don't let go but Jesus, man, the stuff that that shit can make you do is just utterly ridiculous. So, I mean, may she rest in peace, but I don't know. I I don't even know what to say about that shit anymore. Yeah, man. Well, uh, at the end of the day, kids... Yeah, just just uh, stay in school. Don't do drugs. I don't know, but uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it well was said. well said, Credo. There you go. <laughs> uh, Segway, the worst segue in history. Uh, well, you know, uh, we're going to be talking about psychology coming up. We're going to be talking about roadblock in a little bit. Um, but first, joining us, the man who can talk the talk and proceed to walk the walk over people's careers. We have Kevin Cross joining us right now. Joining us today is a pro wrestler that had acquired himself a ruthless reputation for being the man that talks the talk and proceeds to walk the walk over people's careers. Known by many as the Toll Man, the Herald of Doomsday, he is the most vicious shooter in pro wrestling, Kevin Cross. Kevin, man, thanks for being here. I am the man of a thousand names. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I appreciate it. Now, uh, Kevin, uh, you've only been in the business for a few years now, but from the looks of it and the sounds of it, especially from your promos, man, you look like a seasoned vet. Now, uh, what led you into this crazy world of pro wrestling that seems to be second nature for you? Well, first off, thank you very much for the compliment. That's always one of the highest compliments I can ever receive. And uh, I've been getting it almost since day one. And I completely attribute that to my passion for 
wanting and feeling compelled to emulate the commercial vibe of professional wrestling that people enjoy on TV. So I never get tired of hearing that. And thank you very much. But what has compelled me to get into this business uh, from the get go is I guess you could just say I was programmed from a very young age. I was <laughs> born in the eighties and, uh, you know, like all children in the eighties, it was all Rambo and Hulk Hogan and ultimate warrior and, uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme and ninjas. So, it was going to have to be one of those things, so I decided to maybe go down the uh, Hulk Hogan road. I tried being a ninja, but uh, <laughs> sprinting somersaults for so long until the police arrest me. So Definitely. Now, I, from what I understand, you got your training at the FSW Academy. Yes, I did. Michael Modest, actually, from NOAA, uh, talking about a seasoned vet, was there right when I got my first break in. And uh, he was the first person to kind of teach me how to walk before I could run. Sure. Now, uh, from growing up to watching it on TV to now living it, uh, going into the training at least, I mean, was it, uh, was it, you know, just seeing the opposite side of the world, if you will, to where, you know, now it's a whole new world for you uh, getting into it. Did it, uh, I don't know, did it scare you? Did it make you happy? I mean, I don't know. I mean, you're in it, you're doing it. But I mean, what was your first impression of just training, I guess, to be a wrestler? I was mentally prepared to go into the FSW Academy before I showed up. I had a very good general idea of the things I was going to be doing because I researched a lot of it. You know, I've I've been watching wrestling for, man, like almost 30 years. Uh, I just, the very first memory I've ever had, and I've said it before and I'll say it again, was actually Ultimate Warrior pinning Hulk Hogan. So um, to get in the ring and proceed to train within the parameters of something I've been watching for so long, I had no fear whatsoever of getting involved in it um, because I knew what it was. My only concern was, um, you know, not putting somebody in the hospital because I was involved with combat sports forever. So a lot of my natural reflexes that I've been exercising every single day growing up in a sports combat family, I was very, very nervous of accidentally knocking somebody out. So that was probably the only thing I was really concerned with. But uh, I picked up things very quickly because, as I said, I've been watching it and I've always loved it. And um, I have a, a, a very wide background in athletics. Awesome. Now, I also seen that uh, Steve Austin and Brian Pillman uh, inspired your career. Could you tell us a little bit about them and how they had an impact on you? Absolutely. Um, you know, other than the actual performance art, um, of professional wrestling, what goes on in the ring. There was something that I always found very magnetic about Steve Austin and Brian Pillman. And a lot of people are always surprised when I drop those names as to who inspired me. Truthfully, I've, I've got like three dozen people that inspired me, but uh, those two names usually come to mind. Um, and they're usually, they're usually surprised because I don't really emulate anything Pillman or Austin does, but it was their ability to capture people's attention and hold on to it. And, you know, everyone knows, you know, in the year 2016, what pro wrestling is. Um, but despite people knowing that it's just a show, when those two guys walked down to the ring and they started to conduct themselves in front of a live audience and people at home and TV, all of that went out the window. And that's something really, really special to, to take into mind when you're approaching this as a student of the game or even just a casual fan people completely lost sight of what they assumed or thought professional wrestling was when those two guys were on the television everything you're watching was real 
There was no question about it. And you did not feel stupid or silly for showing people material of them, maybe who don't watch wrestling. You know, a lot of pro wrestling fans are closet pro wrestling fans because, <clears throat> you know, let's just be honest. Some of the stuff looks absurd and ridiculous. But Steve Austin and Brian Pillman, to me, personally, I've shown people their stuff as a joke and told them that it was real, and they believed it. And that's a powerful thing. Mm -hmm. So that I, I drew a lot of my inspiration from their ability to um, – just suspend people in the belief they wanted to be suspended in. And I thought that was very important moving forward in everything I did to exercise that ability and learn how to do that. And you mentioned them uh, being able to grab someone's attention and hold on to it. I think you have that down 100% because any promo that I've seen of yours, you do that. I mean, there's I could watch promos all day from wrestlers. And, I mean, just your voice, your sound, your look, whatever you're doing, man, you have it. Uh, and recently, Taz held a comp an open competition on promos uh, for anybody to impress him. It was uh, basically impress him in 45 seconds. You did that. <laughs> uh, how does it feel to have a legend in the business approve of what you're doing? And how did it overall uh, you know, feel to hear what he uh, said on the show? Well, I mean, that, man, I'm <laughs> that, uh, that was pretty awesome. That was a great feeling. Um, for someone who's seen everything in the business... Uh, I don't know how many people sent in stuff, but I would assume it was a lot. I would assume a lot of people. He has a very big fan base for his podcast. I personally, you know, was just assuming that he would see it and he'd have some nice things to say about it. I just assumed, every, you know, there were no parameters on who could submit their stuff, you know. So I, I was like, well, there's – I literally saw something in a feed that someone reposted on Twitter. And it said like he was doing that. And I was like, well, I'm going to do that. And I literally just turned my phone on and filmed it. <laughs> and I sent it in and just didn't think anything about it. And I was like, I'm going to catch that episode, see if my thing comes up. And then he picked me as number one. And then, you know, he proceeded to put me over. And um, being a fan growing up of Taz and being a kid that grew up in New York, uh, and as I said, growing up in a sports combat family, Taz, to me, growing up was very real, especially, as you know, with the whole ECW uh, brand. That felt very, very real, very, very extreme. It was the alternative to the commercialized professional wrestling that we've always watched. So to have him say that uh, was of the highest compliments. You know, I can I can go to my grave uh, if even if I never meet Taz in person. You know, being grateful and happy that a, a guy who entertained me for so many years of my life, I was able to entertain him back for a brief moment, and I got to hear about it. It's pretty cool. I'm going to call you maybe the master of promos to where, well, for you, how, how, do, how do you go into a promo as far as, um, I mean, you know what you're going to do, right? Uh, you, you'll be able to prepare for it, but between preparing for a promo and one that you're just kind of shooting off the hip, is there one way you like better? Do you like just, you know, sitting down thinking about what you're going to say? Or do you just, you know, straight up just shoot and just want to, you know, straight from the hip kind of a thing? Uh, do you prefer either or? I mean, both? I don't know. For, for just you as a wrestler, though. I absolutely can't stand anything scripted. Uh, it's not me being a prima donna or anything like that. If the job calls for me to reiterate something totally scripted, uh, then obviously I'll do it. I'm a consummate professional, and I, and I do my best to remain that way. But I do everything pretty much off the fly. And uh, without spoiling the magic trick or letting you know how insane I actually am, I will tell you that uh, I attended uh, a seminar once with Rip Rogers, and I, I've always kept in contact with him since. It's been almost about a year, maybe even longer. And uh, this guy is brilliant. And one of the things he had covered uh, about nine or ten months into my training was he had covered uh, promo stuff. And he kind of relayed 
a philosophy to me about preparing for it without going into his overall philosophy because it is a seminar everyone should take, even if you're a fan. Mm-hmm. Um, I just try to remain in the state of mind of whatever parameters my character is in. So I'm no longer the guy that you're talking to right now. That guy goes out the window and the guy you paid to see shows up. Mm-hmm. And I just try to just remember the context of the situation. And if you're good at what you do and you practice it when nobody's around, which is how you, you know, mm-hmm. you can get really good. It's the only way to get really good. Then it'll come out the right way. So I kind of, I kind of go on a leap of faith, if you mm-hmm. want to call it that. Sure. And uh, from the scripted versus the unscripted, I'm, I'm with you 100% to where I love the unscriptedness, you know, just the right in the moment kind of thing to where today it's a little bit carried away of how much <laughs> it is scripted to where, you know, we know a certain point has to be, but, you know, it's like, come on, we don't need to read two pages, just, you know, give you <laughs> what, what you're talking about and get to that point. And uh, I, I wish today basically was more unscripted, long story short. But uh, uh, you've yeah. comp- you've competed in Japan, India, Canada, name a few places. Uh, as a wrestler, do you find it more challenging to wrestle in another country um, to where are there more limitations than just perhaps the language? No, because uh, as I said, if you're going to take this seriously and you're going to constantly be working on your craft, your passion. Um, when you get in the ring, it doesn't matter what language you speak. If you speak the language of the ring, you're going to be okay. I've never had any difficulties whatsoever working with someone who doesn't speak English. A lot of people find that really crazy, but it's, you know, that's, that's how much, <laughs> that's how much time I've, I've put into the things that people don't see. I live, breathe and eat professional wrestling. I'm constantly always training for it. Um, no matter what I'm doing, I'm eating for it. I'm sleeping for it. Everything like that's, it's not a work. I, I really operate like that. So it's always a pleasure. And I always actually look forward to it because I always wind up learning a few things uh-huh. just about, you know, behavioral patterns and so forth. Definitely. Yeah. Um, now uh, speaking of wrestling all over, you've appeared most notably in FSW, uh, in global force wrestling, and even in the WWE last year, teaming with Darren young versus the Ascension on Monday night raw. Uh, what was it like to appear on a show that you've probably watched since you were young? I mean, was it surreal being in, in that moment in that time and place kind of thing? Uh, it was a funny feeling, actually. I think the very first Raw I ever watched, I think uh, Bret Hart and Papa Shango wrestled. I don't know if that was the first Raw, but that was the very first Raw I ever watched. And um, I had dreamed so many times in my life about being in the WWE that it actually felt like deja vu when I got there. It Like, I had no butterflies whatsoever about it. I was just so determined to do exactly what it is that I needed to do and do it well. And I, I've just kind of always been like that. If, if there's a task at hand, I get zeroed in on it. I get very focused. I, I'm not a uh, flight person in the two modes of fight or flight. I will fight every time. And I kind of train my mind to operate in those gears. I'm not someone to choke ever. Mm -hmm. So it was awesome. It felt really good. Uh, it was a lot of fun and, uh, I was glad to do it. I'm happy I did it. It's a lot of fun. And those guys are all, it was a great experience. Great. Um, now, you recently also, from my understanding, signed with Lucha Underground. Can you tell your fans about uh, Lucha Underground and what they can expect uh, or maybe when they can expect to see you? Well, we've got this policy called uh, No Spoilers, but uh, Bleacher Report um, you know, did an interview with me, and I, I got the green light from the company to discuss a very small amount of things that have occurred. Uh, Eric Van Wagen has talked a little bit about my activity with the company, and... All I will say is I 
will not disclose any of the details, but everyone will be very, very happy in the long run that I said absolutely nothing about it. Uh, it's going to work out much better that way. People are going to enjoy what they see when they see it. Perfect. And, <laughs> It'll be good. I promise you that. You'll be happy to tell you. I can't wait. Now, uh, Lucha Underground has broken the mold to, to how professional wrestling can be presented, uh, especially with how they do seasons. Uh, do you feel that equation works best for fans and the talent compared to other companies who obviously are working guys 300-plus days a year with no downtime? Well, I mean, you know, there's there's no doubt about it that the performance art is going to take time off your life. Yeah. I say it's a performance art, but you can't hide the level of physicality that's involved. It's not the same performance art as ballet or, you know, maybe something you'd see in Cirque du Soleil. It's high contact. Mm. And, um, I mean, we're probably going to be in much better shape in the long run than someone who might be on the road, you know, 300 plus days a year. I wouldn't personally shy away from that, though, just me personally. Mm. I would be 100% confident to walk down that road and be totally confident that I could do it year in and year out. Mm. But, um, yeah, I just, uh, I don't prefer one over the other. I, I'm just kind of indifferent to that. I understand the 300 plus days a year and I respect it and it's a very honorable thing. And it's, you know, what all of our, uh, our heroes and our inspirations did prior to us. And I have an appreciation for it, but I mean, I, I do also acknowledge not being on the road 300 plus days a year is probably better for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You'll probably get a performance out of the person, you know, Definitely. if you're the the audience yep uh now you uh, also this year you were the first ever uh winner in the inaugural bill after invitational uh can you take us back to that and uh, how you got uh, to be a part of it yeah uh bill after and uh, charlie hartman wound up reaching out to me at a certain point in time uh they were both really impressed with my work really impressed with the promos and said that they were going to be launching this brand new thing in north carolina they said that they had handpicked me to be a part of this and wanted me to compete against Cedric Alexander. And I was like, absolutely. I was very happy about it. We went in there. Uh, Cedric and I killed it. And I believe uh, he was knocked out on the finish. And uh, that was the very first the very first Bill Apter inaugural invitational. I won that via knockout. So that was pretty awesome. And uh I, you know, just being in the ring with Cedric was a great pleasure. It was a great honor. And I think if the right people are looking out for him, that guy could be the future of WWE because, you know, people feel what he's feeling. And he's he's not just another high-flying professional wrestler. That guy captures every single moment and optimizes everything he does. And I was very glad to get that match with him before he went over there. Mm-hmm. Um, now, who would you say are a few active guys on your bucket list uh, that you would love to work with? And maybe who are a few inactive guys uh, that you wish you had the opportunity to work with? I think that one of the best matches I'm probably ever going to have in my career is going to be against Phoenix from uh, Lucha Underground and AAA. Um, somewhere, we've worked before. And I have a feeling that the next time we step into the ring for everyone to see it it's going to be something pretty amazing i have a feeling people will be talking about it for a very long time uh, phoenix would be one of them pentagon obviously um i you know, johnny mundo definitely is way up there i think we're gonna have a killer match in the long run of things uh people might be shocked by this one but i would be very very interested in getting a match with the rock 
because he comes back every once in a while. Sure. And we were talking about earlier those people with those magnetic allures and personalities. I mean, this guy has transcended professional yeah. wrestling, and he's done a lot uh, for the arts and uh, for the you know WWE. He's brought a lot of eyes that would have never watched professional wrestling into professional wrestling. And anyone who doesn't understand that should really think about it and appreciate it. You, know, you remember back in the day, everyone used to call him a sellout and this and that. <laughs> yep. You know, they, because they were butthurt. They missed him. You know, it was their, <laughs> their way of being angry. He had moments where they loved to hate him, and then they loved to love him. And then, you know, they hated to love him. So, I mean, it was, you know, he's he's probably one of the best ever. And uh, getting a match with him or Brock Lesnar, who I've wanted to compete against for a very long time, I think uh, I'm going to have to get those matches in at some point in my career. And I have a very good feeling it's going to happen. Definitely. Now, uh, besides yourself, who do you think is the best today at cutting a promo? Oh, man. I'm going to have to say Bray Wyatt. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to say Bray Wyatt. I mean, he's the first one that comes to mind. That's the first thing. Mm -hmm. Um, You're talking about pre-tapes. You're talking about live. This is that guy who, like, he's cut from that cloth that does not exist anymore. He reminds me at times of Jake Roberts. He reminds me at times of Roddy Piper. Um, he's just got so many shades of people, but it's not as if it's their material. It's still him, but he has that. You remind me of somebody who was really good and all of the people that were really good were, you know, people that you'll never forget about. Like they created timeless moments. And I feel like Bray Wyatt has created a lot of timeless moments in the WWE. And I think anywhere he goes, you know, if he chooses not to stay with them or go somewhere else, I think you're gonna, you're always gonna get that out of him. You know, it's that's something that's in him. It's not in the post production, it's not in the cameras. It's that's him. He's got something that you can't teach, and I would say no one can even get close to him right now. Not at all. He, he can make you feel whatever he wants you to feel. Can't say enough good things about him. Well, uh, Kevin, you know, we barely scraped the surface with you, but for everybody listening out there today, if you could uh, maybe offer them one piece of advice for any of uh, uh, future superstars who are looking to get into the business, is there anything you would offer them? Well, not to put things on a grim note, but uh, (laughs) I would tell everyone to get a post-secondary education. And that might sound kind of crazy, but in the grand scheme of things, um, you know, it's, it's high contact physicality. And if God forbid you get hurt in the ring, uh, you might get hurt in training. And if it is your source of income and your only revenue and you get injured, now you have no source of income or revenue. So it's always good to have something that you can fall back on immediately and not like you're having to go around passing out resumes. You know, it's, it's always noble and it's always nice to see enthusiastic young people trying to get into the business. But, um, you know, it's, it's just not wise to put all your eggs in one basket. Even a professional NFL or NBA player will be able to tell you that. Baseball as well. Hockey. I mean, if uh, things go sideways and you got nobody to depend on, you got to depend on yourself. So I would tell them that first. And uh, secondly, uh, make sure that this is something that you love. <laughs> because if you don't love it... You know, it's going to be tough because it does not love you back. <laughs> Definitely. Well, uh, Kevin, man, we wish you nothing but the best. But uh, before heading on out, uh, where can the fans keep up with you on social media? Uh, social media would be Twitter. Uh, Killer Cross is the handle across the world. 
on Instagram. Cross is going to kill you because I may actually. <laughs> and uh, Facebook, there's two pages. It's a fan page, Killer Cross. Facebook page, we can contact me directly, Kevin Cross. And as well, I have a T-shirt store up on ProWrestlingTees.com. Help spread the word because they do not want you to know about me. <laughs> well, Kevin, uh, we thank you so much today, and we wish you nothing but the best in uh, your future. Thank you very much. I'm going to be on your TV soon terrorizing you and your family, so make sure you tell all your friends about me. All right, once again, thanks to Kevin Cross. Uh, hopefully, we'll see uh, what's in store for him in the next uh, coming months with possibly uh, Lucha Underground. We'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, he, he is one of the prime examples of uh, in-ring psychology, a man who can talk, uh, a man who can walk in the ring. Uh, Cooter, we haven't said talked about much any in-ring psychology. And don't get us wrong. We're, we're fans. We're not pro wrestlers. So, obviously, we're not trying to – we're trying to pretend here like we know – uh, what what's happening? But I think as the fans' perspective of what how we feel about feel about in ring psychology and just the psychology of the sport, I think would be a good addition to the show. Uh, so Cooter, you know, uh, as fans, you know, how important is it for uh for it to look uh to us as real as possible? Because let's face it, we all know what pro wrestling is. We all know how it works without you know beating around the bush. Uh, tell me, Cooter, when you're watching pro wrestling, I mean. How is this psychology important to you as the viewer? In terms of how real it has to look, I mean, to me, it's 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 more about it not looking. Uh, what's the word I want to use here? Like Hulk Cabana matches, <laughs> but I know the comedy's a comedy's a big part of it. So yeah, at the same but, time you want to you want to watch these matches and come across it as like you know like wow is is this really happening kind of thing. Like listen, if, if I, I want to see a fight, I'm gonna watch a fight. But when I want to see a wrestling match, I, I want to see two two guys or, or two teams or, or whatever the match is tell a good story, and and that's to me what is most important. I mean. Is, uh, how these guys react to each other in the ring, how they react to the crowd, you know, uh, sometimes you got to call an audible. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, I, I, I'll give you an example. You have rock versus Hogan at WrestleMania 18, right? Mm. And rock is supposed to be the face because Hogan is in the big, bad NWO trying to take over the WWE now. And you're in, Toronto, Canada, and the crowd just decides to say, fuck you, Rock, and boo every single thing he does and cheer everything that Hogan does. I mean, call it nostalgia, whatever hell it was that night, whatever the hell was in the water in Canada. I mean, that was one of the most spectacular things I've ever seen. And you know what? They kind of had to go with it. Yeah, man, that's the thing is I think, you know, part of that psychology is uh, the fan reaction during during the show. I mean, you can go in there and say, okay, Hogan, you're the heel. Hey, Rock, you're the face. But when you get out there, man, that shit could go right out the door for from the fans' point of view because, you know, going in there, I'm just – I'm cheering for Hogan. You know, I, I care about less about Rock. I never thought I'd see this before. And now exactly. Of, and now all of a sudden I'm behind, the, uh, I'm behind Hogan. So for these guys to go out there, it's like, crap, we have to throw that out the door of what we were going to do and just go off the fan reaction. And I think that's one of the greatest things about pro wrestling is, you know, it's not a UFC fight. You can't really go off the reaction. You're more or less trying to save your ass from getting your ass kicked. Uh, True. But, you know, a pro wrestling match – 
it's almost like the fans, us, we get to create the match with how we react to it. And, you know, it has to be an overwhelming majority of what's happening uh, on how we're cheering. But, uh, you know, it, it, the guys in the ring, they just have to improv off of that, that response, you know, like what they did uh, with, like, your prime example, like you said, Hogan versus Rock. You know, it was uh, it was a classic match. It was a classic wrestling match, you know. And uh, I think just the fans helped be a part of that, you know, psychology to where, they made that match even more memorable than the two uh, superstars, you know? Because let's be honest, that match was was subpar at best. <laughs> it was like a, it was, it's a classic show, you know? It was like, it, it was an- it's, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a good match, but I'm telling you, if the crowd wasn't as... Bel- watch that match on mute and tell me if you feel the same way about it. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Like, seriously, the crowd made that match. That That's what was so crazy about it. And, and what's funny, you're saying about how the crowd can change the way a superstar has to act. Everybody except Roman Reigns, because every time <laughs> he steps out and, you know, he's supposed to be like the new face of Raw and this and that and all this bullshit, but... Every time I see him walk out, he gets more booze than John Cena in New York City. Uh, that's one. Of, that's one of the things where it, it's 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 funny to me because at a pro wrestling, I feel like if you're in the business or the, uh, as the promoter or whatnot, all you have to do is listen to the fans. They're booing him. Fuck, make him a heel. They're cheering him. Fuck, making him a face. Like you, you have like the easiest job. Like the fans are telling you who they kind of want this guy to be. And granted, I, I know things change and how uh, who they want to do stuff. But at a certain point, you have to stop force feeding somebody uh, to us that you know, like Roman Reigns. Like okay, the, he want they want him to be the next face of the company. Okay, but we don't give a shit. We want to fucking boo him. So you know what? Turn him heel, you know, just make him. I think, I think if you turn him heel, you'll finally get the reaction of us cheering for him. You know, like you know what it is. <laughs> That's our receipt from the WWE because we we screwed them out of, you know, getting a belt on Batista because it had to be Daniel Bryant and we got what we wanted. Yep. And this is our this is their way of saying fuck you. We gave you Daniel Bryan <laughs> until he got hurt. So now we have you have to deal with this guy. And I'm like, all right, whatever. I don't really have a problem with 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 Roman as a wrestler. I just don't identify with the character. Yep. And 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 I feel bad for a guy like him because he he is a you know a very big dude, very intimidating. You know, he's got a good look. He's a decent worker. But, you know, it's Bizarro Land WrestleMania season, Credo. Let me ask you this. Should the day ever happen where it's John Cena who gets booed every WrestleMania, right? Versus Roman Reigns (laughs) in WrestleMania. God forbid that match ever happens. Who gets booed and who gets cheered? Uh, Cena comes out to the booze and yeah, like, you know, uh, Cena sucks. Let's go Cena. Yeah. But I I think during the match, I think the fans might even cheer Cena. So I think that's the psychology right there to where, man, you throw them in that little loophole of like, crap, the fans really have to choose. I think they would really choose Cena over Roman Reigns. So (laughs) I have to agree with you on that. Let me ask you this. When you, when you, when you think of certain guys who had great in ring psychology who just made matches better, who could probably work with anybody and knew how to feed off of a crowd. Who do you think of? You know, uh, there's a few, but let me go back to the classic example of Hulk Hogan. Uh, granted, 
you know, <laughs> Hulk Hogan's at a different era, a different time, a different kind of wrestling than what we see today. But, I mean, go back to WrestleMania three, uh, Hogan versus Andre. You know, slamming Andre for some kid today is like, oh, that's that's not a big deal. You know what I mean? Like, he just slammed him. Who cares? But you got to put yourself back in that time period, in that mentality to where nobody slammed Andre. That psychology part of it to where... You know, he, he was never getting slammed, never getting slammed. And for Hogan to actually get him up a little bit to slam him, that was like, holy crap, I can't believe that happened to where the psychology on the fans was like, wow, did, did this just happen? You know, like you, you made the fans' reaction a part of this match of uh, like a holy, holy shit moment. Like what just happened? And right there, you know, I think even going back to that Hogan and Rock match, I think, uh, you know, Hogan was calling that whole match. I don't think Rock even knew what to do with the, the, the reactions going on. Yeah. You know, no, and, if it wasn't for Hulk, Rock would have been so goddamn lost. <laughs> and, uh, you know, hey, you, you hate me if you want, but I always say it. Uh, I, Bret Hart is one of my favorite wrestlers oh, of all time, God. baby. Here we go. Bret Hart. Uh, now, this man was one of my favorite sellers. I mean, he, he was good. I To where you threw him in that turnbuckle, man, he went full force into it in his chest and then just bounced right off it, selling that like he ran 100 miles an hour into that thing. True. Uh, you know, he was a, he was good working with guys. He was good, you know, putting them over. Uh, he was good just helping p- tell that story. And I think he was just a great storyteller. I'm not saying, you know, uh, he was the greatest of all. Th- well, yeah, he was the greatest of all time. I think. No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. No, but he, he wasn't. He wasn't half the showman. He, he, listen, Bret Hart was a great <laughs> technician. No, I'm, I'm not, I'm not gonna, are you giving him a four I'm out not of 10 shit on him? I'm really not going to shit on him. He was a great technician. He was a great seller. Uh, he could tell a, a great story in the ring. Uh, but I mean, if you want to compare him to a Shawn Michaels and, 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 and dude, there's just, there is no comparison. Well, of course, but here, I'll tell you one thing out of Bret Hart's whole career and psychology part of it too. Uh, to tie this all together, uh, Brett, I don't think was good as a face. I think his best times were when he, you know, had the the New Heart Foundation and he was going against Shawn Michaels feuding as a heel. I think uh, Bret Hart as a heel, pro Canadian, was uh, probably some of his best stuff. Oh, yeah, because, there's no question about it. You know, it was just uh, the the face hitman was like, eh, you know, it was okay. But when he was heated. And, you know, just showing, uh, you know, the love of his country and all this other stuff and just hated America. Man, he was he was he was golden on that. But uh, you got to remember, too, when he started out with the Hart Foundation with Jim and Anvil Manhart as a tag team, they were heels. Yeah, yeah, but totally not like what we were seeing uh, during uh, the Attitude Era. No, of course not. But I mean, that was everybody was just dialed up 10 notches then. (laughs) Uh, Here's this too. Uh, Now, with psychology, you know, different kinds of things happen in the ring. Uh, One match I want to go back to, maybe you could uh, tell the fans out there and reminisce about this match a little bit, but it was Bret Hart versus uh, Steve Austin. You know, was it WrestleMania 13, I believe? Uh, he He cut his head open. Uh, just blood pouring down his uh, face, and he had him in the sharpshooter, and he passed out, and the match was called. That right there, man, like that, like, I'm sorry, uh, however that, that happened, but, you know, just, like, having blood in the match, like, okay, sometimes uh, they'll have blood, and it's like, oh, okay, it's part of the match. But this one, it was different. It was like the man was losing blood. He can't even, you know, go on anymore. And just watching it as a fan, the perspective of it, that's where the, sky, the psychology hit me as a kid to where it's like, Holy, is this 
it's where I'm questioning what I'm watching is like, oh, wait, is this, this is real. Like what he's, you know, like I didn't know what was happening. And for them to do that to where us as fans are questioning these things, that's when I love pro wrestling the best because I'm like, oh, it's fake. Oh, they're doing this. Oh, he just, you know, no, like he's bleeding. It's dripping down his face into going into his mouth, uh, you know, and he passes out from it to where just that little moment, that match itself, you know, I was like, oh, crap this is this is this is the shit i love seeing now you know it's just like where you're questioning yourself of like what you're watching i think that's the greatest part about psychology from a fan's point of view to where we start questioning what we're seeing you know yeah you know that's the thing people love to wrestle to to reminisce about you know big major moments like that me on the other hand like as great as that moment is i i, I really appreciate the small things that certain people did like uh, w- when I think of guys who did weird stuff, but I-, I found really entertaining, I think of somebody like Raven for some reason, who mm-hmm. just, I mean, would just sit in that corner uh-huh. and wait for his opponent to come down there. I mean, I know he stole that from Jake Roberts in a way, but I mean, he just kind of did it so nonchalantly. And uh, another one of my favorites who I thought had great psychology was, was Brian Pillman. And I remember that whole angle he was doing with Kevin Sullivan. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the, I respect you Booker man match. Like, <laughs> you, I mean, like yep. he just did that. I mean, I know that was probably a shoot, but I mean, at the same time, people have off, have often said they didn't know whether Brian was working or shooting half the time. You know, he was always on. And I think, that's uh, – and that's after the days of people protecting kayfabe. I mean he was just always on. And just some of the shit that he would pull would just – I mean who could forget him threatening to pull out his dick in front of the, his <laughs> ECW debut and piss on the crowd? I mean like who does that? I mean but these were things that like he just had to do because – Nobody else dared do him because he was a loose cannon. He played his character perfectly. Definitely. Uh, you know, another part of this whole psychology thing is uh, selling. You know, uh, it's where obviously you're watching the match. Somebody gets punched in the face. It's got to look like you got punched in the face, right? So uh, one of my biggest gripes I have, I think I could name one of the greatest sellers today and one of the worst sellers today. And right off the bat, I'll tell you, Dolph Ziggler is one of my favorite sellers, if you oh, will. Oh, no question. Yes. This, this man, you know, uh, just everything, everybody he works with, just, you know, uh, just his match. Like, he just won the number one contendership for the WWE Heavyweight Championship again uh, against AJ Styles uh, to where him winning that match, you know, where he just drops on the guy or just some of the stuff he does, man, it's it's great. You know, he, he just, he, he knows how to work a crowd. He knows how to work a match. He knows how to work getting kicked in the face worked how to, you know, everything. And, you know, by the end of the match, he shows you that he's tired, what he's been through. The guy on the other hand, who I hate is Dean Ambrose. Oh no. I thought you were going to say James Ellsworth. Oh, he doesn't even categorize in this. He's not even on the charts, (laughs) but Dean Ambrose and hear me out to where you can watch a Dean Ambrose match. And no matter which match it is, it's pretty much every match. Uh, 
this guy could get hit with 10 chair shots, go through a table, uh, land off a ladder, land into a table, and he'll still get up in five seconds to go for the pin. Or, you know what I mean? Like, no matter what goes, what he goes through in a match, by the end of the match, boom, he's like Mr. Second Wind all over again. I'm like, dude, you just went through a table. You just got hit with 10 times with a chair shot or, or yada, 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 you know? And, like, at the end of that, he still has, like, all this fucking energy. And I'm like, dude. Just at least pretend like you went through a table like five minutes ago. Pretend, like hold your arm, hold your leg, limp. Give me a limp. You know what I mean? To where I, I hate, absolutely hate it because I think even against Lesnar uh, at WrestleMania, and then even I'm trying to forget what other matches happened, but there's a lot this year. But just every match, man, it's just like no matter what he goes through or what he does. It's like Mr. Second Wind all over again, and I hate yeah, that. I, I hate I, I that. I really feel like he did that on purpose just to piss Brock off because. Well, Brock, it's not just Brock, though. It's like everybody. No, but but I think it was more so with Brock intentionally, just because you could tell Brock wasn't interested in the program. Uh, allegedly vetoed a bunch of the spots that he didn't want to do, and you know they made it they made it basically a a, a really fucking quick match. Hmm. But you know some of the guys I really enjoy in, in terms of selling and and and, and in ring psychology. Uh, Jericho yeah. mm-hmm. is a great seller and just a, a great all-around ring general. And, and that's another that's another category when you – that's just – he's in a league of his own. Him, uh, AJ Styles, you know, I used to watch a lot of him, his matches from TNA. The way he's progressed over the years from being basically like a wannabe Jeff Hardy spot monkey to just a, a – another – great ring general definitely mm-hmm. knows how to sell knows how to control a match knows how just any any aj match yeah yeah he's just great dude and any aj match i could watch i'm happy with because like he he puts over anybody he's with from fucking james ellsworth to anybody you know what i mean so any match he works with i think he does a great job even his last match with dean ambrose he made dean ambrose look a lot better than what he really is and just for, you know the stuff that he was doing, uh, you know he like I think I think Dean Ambrose is be- his best match this year was against AJ Styles at last uh, month's pay per view, or I should say like last week. Jeez, it was like, or la- two weeks ago's pay per view. Uh, I think that was probably Dean Ambrose's best match of the whole year, just because of how good AJ Styles made him look. And that's mm-hmm. I think going back to that psychology, man. You're only as good as the guy you work with, and if that guy's you know making you look like a thousand dollars, and you know you fucking thank him at the end of the day. Because yeah, he oh just yeah. Makes you Dean Ambrose's than- best match, though. I, I I agree with you. It was AJ Styles, but I I think it was when when Ambrose lost the belt to him. I think that was the match of the year for him. Yeah. That that was probably ten times better than the one you're talking of. That's just my opinion, though. But definitely, you know, we could talk about this all day, and we'll definitely do another show on uh, stuff like this, and maybe you know, bring in some wrestlers and get their point of view about it. But you know, everybody out there listening, anotherwrestlingpodcast.com, facebook.com/slash anotherwrestlingpodcast, Twitter at a wrestling pod, uh, tweet us, Facebook us, just email us anything, uh, call us. We have a freaking hotline. Yeah, uh, really. Eight zero two two nine seven seventy six seventy two. That's eight zero two. AWP 7672. We want to hear from you. Tell us what your thoughts are about uh, psychology from the fans' point of view. And uh, that's what we want to do. We want to hear from you guys out there. So let us know. But Kuderman, you got more cheap plugs than Mick Foley, goddammit. You got to push it. I'm trying to push it. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it's another another pay-per-view this weekend. Eddie? 
Are you ready for roadblock? Yeah, right. It, it, it's almost turning into a cock block because it, if, you tell, <laughs> if you tell your significant other how many pay-per-views you're watching, you're totally not getting laid. I mean, oh, yeah. every other week, oh, there's another pay-per-view on me. <laughs> i got to watch it. There's another pay-per-view. There's another pay-per-view. Yeah, you're going to be uh, another another That's hand right. job for you. It's where yourself, <laughs> That's man. Right. That's right. Oh, uh, but that yeah. He's getting... That pussy's getting locked up for uh, for for a little while. Sorry, guys. From roadblock to cockblock, Hooter. Let's start from the bottom of the pay per view and work our way to the main event. Uh, the yes, kick, like your hand is gonna do to your cock. Yes, we get it. <laughs> the kickoff begins with Rusev versus Big Cass. Uh, you know the stuff they've been doing on Raw the past two weeks. It's kind of Attitude Era-esque, where he's going to a hotel, taking his clothes off, Lana's ready for him, then he gets his ass kicked. I know, it's a, this ain't PG stuff, you know, it's like little Jimmy at home is going to be like, Mommy, why is she naked, and why is he getting naked? You know, it's like, this is this is hard to explain in a PG environment, so they're definitely changing up uh, how we see some uh, Monday Night Raw, but... Uh, what do you think? Why is this on the pre-show? I have no idea. I feel bad for Rusev. Rusev is a great character. I would love to see him win the championship uh, sometime in the year 2017. But, uh, you know, Big Cass, Rusev, I think they're going to make Big Cass go over in this. And I think, uh, you know, Vince loves him. Vince loves these big guys. And I think uh, I think Big Cass is going get to the, get the win on Rusev. What do you think? Uh, no. I think Rusev takes this. I really do. I think they want to. I, I think they need to build Rusev up a little bit more. I mean, he's he's made so much progress, especially on the mic. You know, he's he's always been pretty good in the ring, and he's he's gotten so much better over the years. But where he really excels now, he's not the greatest mic worker, but he uses that to his advantage. That's why he's so good. You know, does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like he, he was bad on the mic before, but now it's like, all right, Rusev is bad on the mic, but it's good bad, if that makes it. I don't know. That's so I mean, I think he's somebody who needs to get a little bit uh, a little bit of a push. There's plenty of time for big cast because why why waste a, a victory for uh, on big cast if he's just going to be in a team with fucking Enzo? It don't make no goddamn sense to me. That's true. So, you know, I was actually worried, too, because I was actually like, crap, they're doing this whole breakup thing again. They just got married. They just put this over. And I kind of like how they teased everybody. And it was like, you know, they continued it. So uh, it's it's definitely getting a little bit interesting. I definitely want to see Rusev continue and uh, hopefully start main eventing with a, a, with some gold around his waist. But uh, needless to say, we'll see what happens. Right. But uh there's going to be a triple threat now uh, match for the WWE Cruiserweight Championship. TJ Perkins versus the Brian Kendrick versus Rich Swan. Now, Cooter, in the past two months or something like that, all three of these guys have been the Cruiserweight Champion. Uh, tell me, who's coming out the winner in this and who's going to be the real uh, Cruiserweight Champion headed into 2017? You know, I actually feel really bad for TJ Perkins. I, I don't know why. He won the classic, he became the champion, and he just did not really connect with the fans when that division started. But uh, you know, he seems to be getting cheered a little bit more, especially on the uh, the two this week's version of a uh, two hundred five live. So may- maybe the crowd seemed to stay a little bit more for it. I don't know because I think the first episode they said, or first maybe second two. Uh, half the crowd was leaving after SmackDown. So, I mean, I think maybe more people are, are sticking around to watch it. Um, and maybe he's getting uh, cheered a little bit. Ugh. Brian Kendrick is just so great. 
I, I don't. I, and Rich Swan is incredible. I, I have no idea. But if I had to pick one, because I feel bad for him, I, I think I think TJ Perkins needs to, to take this belt back and 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 help get some uh, new guys in the title picture. I'd love to see him and Cedric Alexander. All right, you know it, it's been crazy because you know from the women's championship uh, to the cruiserweight championship, these things have been flying back and forth like hotcakes. Even the NXT championship, and uh, you know it's uh, I'm like, why? Why does it just keep going back and forth so much? And maybe they just haven't found the guy they really want to keep it. But you know, Rich Swan, I think you know the fans love him. He has a lot of energy, uh, and I don't know. I, I don't see switching the cruiserweight championship yet again is really going to help anybody. That's um, true. Maybe at least until the Rumble or the next big pay per view. But I mean, this is the end of the year. It's the one. La- it's the last pay per view of the year for them. I say just let Rich Swan keep it, and then you could still have Brian Kendrick and T.J. Perkins feud some more. You could see what they're doing here, Credo. Though I mean, you could see that you know we're we're building a new division, so we we have to have you know a top crop here. We we have to build it up. So, you know, when these guys who are kind of on the bottom end make their way up, they have credible people to face to move up the card themselves. So, I mean, you, we, we said this about the women's title, too. You know, at, we figured that it would probably bounce around a little bit. But, I mean, Charlotte held it for so goddamn long before she finally lost it. Yeah. But uh, it looks like they're going a different route with this one because – there's just so many people that people don't recognize, so they're going to build a few guys up. All right. Oh, uh, now we have uh, a 10-minute time limit match. 10 minutes, Cooter. Oh, uh, my God. Braun Strowman versus, we have no idea what to do with Sami Zayn. Uh, you know, he's been jobbing for weeks now. Uh, no direction, nothing happening. Braun Strowman's been that, you know, that monster defeating all these jobbers here and there and whatnot. Uh, but Sami Zayn really hasn't had a good storyline, and then, you know this coming this past Monday, he had a little great uh, you know promo with Mick Foley where Foley was you know going to trade him to SmackDown for Eva Marie, and then he didn't happen because he wanted to see what he would do and yada yada yada. Uh, so we're kind of getting a little steam behind uh, Sami Zayn to to do something. Uh, do you think this something is going to be to beat Braun Strowman this Sunday? Uh, I really don't know. You're just going to have to tell me because that's <laughs> where I'm going to get up and go and take a shit because I really don't give a fuck about this. I mean, the 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 buildup was, was, you know, what it was. It was the big guy beating the shit out of the little guy. And we have to save you, Sammy, from yourself. Fuck you. <laughs> you know, put him up against... How do you go? Here's the thing that drives me nuts about all this. He had that great match with Kevin Owens before Kevin Owens won the Universal title. <laughs> and then you forget about right. him. Yep. And you're not going to put him up against Braun Strowman. I'll give you a title opportunity before I put you up against Braun Strowman. Well, guess what? If Sami Zayn wins that title, eventually Braun Strowman's going to get there. You're not going to give it to him then? Yeah. If, if Strowman becomes a contender? So you're basically being a hypocrite by saying that. I mean, I know he was just... You know, just trying to rile him up and get him angry, but the the direction of Sammy drives me crazy because you go from basically getting that that final convincing win over Kevin Owens to doing jobs. That just it's like it seems to be their mo. They they build a guy up to give him this great win, and then it's all right. Uh, you know, when when we get a, a 
you know, a big guy injured. That that's what really has to happen for certain people to get pushes around here. You know, this this whole match right here should have been for like the United States Championship to where Braun Strowman should have beat uh, you know, Roman Reigns for it a while ago just to get it off him or or something to where it, it, this whole match just feels to me like it's a it's No, a, Roman needs two belts. Maybe <laughs> then we'll start to cheer for him. That's the thing, you know, and then it, it starts blurring the lines of is the United States Championship a main event title or you know, and like people like we get it, but then there's like other kids out there who I, I I feel like just don't get it. And at the end of the day, you know, I feel like they just come on, just keep it where it's supposed to be, keep it the mid card title like they're doing with the Intercontinental title on SmackDown. I mean, you know, on SmackDown. So I don't know if this was Braun Strowman versus Sami Zayn for the U.S. Championship. I think that would probably had a little bit more spice for it instead of just the ten minute time limit. Like ten minutes? Are you oh my kidding god! Me? A uh, ten minute time limit. Yeah, so uh, I don't know. I think Sami Zayn needs it. I think they need to start getting some momentum behind him for something. But I don't know. Poor, poor, poor anybody watching this match. I guess uh, you know it's damned if you do, damned if you don't. Poor Braun, poor Sami, whatever. All right, uh, next on the list, Credo. I got this one. You ready? Okay, I'm ready. We got the CrossFit Jesus versus Sparkle Crotch. <laughs> Seth Rollins versus Chris Jericho, baby. Yeah, that's what I meant. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is a this is a good match. I think I, this is almost Royal Rumble esque, almost WrestleMania esque kind of a match. But uh, uh, it's interesting. I mean, uh, you got one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, Chris Jericho versus Seth Rollins. Um, what are we fighting for, Cooter? We're just fighting to to for what? Just to one up the other guy? Is there really no. anything else? This is, this, this is Seth Rollins' road to Triple H. <laughs> and to get to Triple H, he has to get through Kevin Owens. But to get through Kevin Owens, he's got to go through Chris Jericho. That's what he said in that little promo. I mean, this was a great build. I mean, this it's nice to see uh, it's nice to see a match get built up in a great way that's not for the title. Yep. Do you think? You no, know, that's that's because that's an, another rarity on WWE TV. I mean, look look at this bullshit on this card that doesn't involve. Well, most of these matches are title matches. Yeah. With the exception of uh, the ten minute title match and uh, Rollins, really. I mean, you got tag titles, you got the Universal title. That's right. Uh, now, do you think we're going to see Triple H maybe uh, show his face at this one or no? Oh, God, we're not going to see Triple H until the Rumble. And I think uh, Triple H causes Seth Rollins uh, to get eliminated from the Rumble, and that's going to be uh, how you get him at WrestleMania. All right. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, uh, I think we're, this is just going to be just another classic match. I think uh, both these guys are great. Uh, Chris Jericho is still great in this day and age, uh, even though, you know, doesn't have quite all the gas in his tank still. But, you know, he's still one of the greats. Um, I'm hoping for a Seth Rollins win. I think we're going to get out of this. But uh, I want a Jericho win. I want Chris Jericho to win this. I really do. I love Chris Jericho lately. All right, guys. Well, uh, any- oh, I wasn't done talking about the match, Credo. <laughs> Do you know what happens when you don't let me finish what I was saying? Oh, no. You just made the list. <laughs> the list of Angry Cooter. That's right. All right. Well, uh, we're almost through this pay-per-view. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, what are we going to have next? We're going to have the Raw Tag Team title match. Cesaro and Sheamus versus The New Day. Let's get right to the point. The New Day continues their streak. That's all that's going to happen. I'd, no. I don't think it's going to change at Roadblock. I don't know. Here's the thing. Here's 
I feel like it's too soon right Cesaro after the win. and Sheamus have come so close so many times. And let me explain this to you. I think they're, they've figured out that that third person around the ring has cost them. So they're going to have to either get some backup or they're going to have to take that third person out like with a chair or just – but you could go out there and beat the shit out of somebody's manager with a chair. That won't cause a DQ, right? <laughs> Just cripple whatever one of those three idiots are not in the ring. Cripple him. Destroy him. And then you can have that nice regular tag match. Because they just always seem to fucking use that third person to their advantage somehow, some way. So... I think they'll figure that out, and I, and I have a feeling, look, it was just to get Demolition off the books. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. The only thing I see happening in this match that would really justify a win for Cesaro and Sheamus would be Demolition interfering uh, in the match and costing New Day their tag team championship. That's all. I, I think uh, uh, too much. Yeah, I don't think we have a big. Uh, I don't think we have a wheelchair big enough to get fucking smashed down the ring. Here comes the axe, and here comes the smash, rolling oh. down the ramp. Uh, whatever. Uh, but yeah, well, I'm I'm kind of curious. Once again, it's I I think it's too early, especially coming off the win on Monday, beating two teams in one night, just to lose it. Uh, you know, a few days later, but. Anything can happen. Uh, now, Kuda, man, you know, uh, we're almost there. We're almost at the main event. But what do you think is going to main event? We have this Iron Man match, and we have the Universal Championship. Uh, the women main evented the last pay-per-view. Do uh, the women main event this pay-per-view as well with the Iron Man match? Of course not. Roman Reigns is fighting for the title. He's <laughs> got to be at the top of the card. <laughs> well, okay, then how about we talk about the Iron Woman match uh, for the Raw Women's Championship, Charlotte Flair versus Sasha Banks. Now, Cooter, um, The Undertaker had a streak. We have a streak for having, you know, every week uh, a new guest on. Uh, but Charlotte also has a streak for the most wins uh, and appearances on a pay-per-view uh, for WWE, for for women, I think, for the most wins in a row. I forget what the exact number is. I'm not Googling it, but uh, there, she has a streak. So that's the thing is Sasha Banks has only beaten her on Raw for the Women's Championship, but Charlotte has beaten all her opponents on every pay-per-view she's fought in. So there comes a little, uh, you know, strategy here for this weekend to where Charlotte probably has the upper hand on winning the championship back because she has yet to lose on a pay-per-view this year. I think even from last year or whatnot, but so Charlotte has the upper hand. Sasha Banks has the lower hand. She is the champion though. Who do you see walking out with the women's champion and whoever wins, if it's Charlotte, she becomes a four time women's champion in just under what, eight months. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Could we have a four-time champion, or are we going to stick with the three-time, three-time champion, Sasha Banks? Listen, Sasha's walking out with the belts, and it's very unfortunate. It really is, Credo. It, I don't know. I, I'm uh, Sasha Banks is a very talented worker. I mean, she is the total package, but. Charlotte Flair is just in a league of her own. She really is. There's no comparison. Charlotte has had amazing matches with everybody she's worked with. Has Sasha Banks had that? Can she say the same thing? 
I really don't feel like she can. I, it's that's that's really how I feel. If you put if Charlotte Flair up against the broomstick, you're gonna get a fucking four star match. Uh-huh. It's it, it's it's just how it is. I mean, I want to see a Charlotte versus a Bailey for the title. That's something we've never seen. I don't want to see, you know, Bailey for versus uh, Sasha Banks for the title. Let's throw Nia Jax in the mix. You know, let's let's make her relevant because you know she was, you know, the beast that they had for their team in Survivor Series, and now where the fuck has she been since she was so dominant in Survivor Series? Nowhere. Tell me why that makes sense. Um, let's start booking this division like it's an actual division, not just two you know people. a title match. Yeah, there's there's more than two people, and you prove that. And you built those people up in Survivor Series. Let's get them in the mix. I, I, it's just we've seen Bailey versus Sasha. I mean, we've seen Bailey versus Charlotte, but not in a feud where it was for a title. You know what I mean? Like, I, I want to see some different things because I'd love to see a Nia Jax versus Sasha Banks. We don't need a title for that. You can have. Bailey versus Charlotte, and you already teased the, the the Nia Jax versus fucking Sasha Banks. Don't need a belt for it. We just don't. Yeah, you know. I'll tell you what. At the end of this match, after the thirty minute Iron Man Iron Woman match happens, I think they need to move on from each other. Uh, whoever wins, if Sasha retains or Charlotte regains, they need a new contender. And whoever loses needs to start with somebody else, start from the bottom. Well, that's th- what they said. There is no uh, rematch clause after this match. That's what they said. Okay, that's <laughs> that makes that's me more excited. That's the best I've Like, <laughs> seriously, when I was like, oh, wow, Charlotte versus... Uh, Sasha Banks and, and, and another gimmick match. I'm like, okay, my penis went flaccid. But when they said no rematch clause after this, like, dude, you could hang wet towels for my shit. It was so good. <laughs> it was fucking fantastic. <laughs> well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, hey, man, I think that's what's uh, going to sell the show this weekend about Cooter's uh, the finale. Right, hanging <laughs> wet towels. Would you rather see that or another Charlotte versus Sasha Banks? You be the judge. <laughs> well, either way, uh, you know, uh, I think I'd rather have Sasha win it. I think, you know, ending the year with uh, beating Charlotte's record will be good. I think I'm, I'm over records after the whole New Day thing, Cooter. I'm over beating records this year, even next year. Just You're such a bitter bastard. Keep the oh. titles moving. Keep them moving. I don't want to see no records being broken right now. I'm done with them. Uh, so, yeah. All right. We'll, we'll see what happens. Now, that leads us to the Universal Championship. <laughs> Roman Reigns, your United States champion versus Kevin Owens, your Universal champion. Could Roman Reigns walk out with two championships since, uh, you know, Seth Rollins just did it, what, a year ago? Or uh, will Kevin Owens retain? That's right. Everybody wants to be Ultimate Warrior from WrestleMania six. I mean, really? <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know. I think I think there'll be a good match. Uh, at the end of the day, though, man, I, I think Kevin Owens needs to win this on his own. Yes. No Chris Jericho, no interference. I want to see Jericho. I want to see Owens... Pin reigns clean and end it, and that's that's all I really want to see. That's that's my Christmas wish for this match. But you know the whole thing with Chris Jericho turning on Owens is it's it's all work. You know they're just working over fucking yep. that big jabroni. Oh fucking Roman Reigns. <laughs> 
So oh, do you, me a favor. Just defend your own fucking title. Why have a belt if you're not going to defend it? You look like such a jackass. <laughs> Who booked that? He has not defended that belt yet. Has he? Uh, not, not, nope, not really. They just given it to him, and I honestly, I, I can't even remember the last time he had it. I mean, he had John Cena defending it every week on Raw, and then they, you know, they took it off him, went to Del Rio, and there he lost that momentum. And then, you know, here and there, people got it, and now Roman Reigns has it. And what? It's just because they wanted a championship on him, so that when he does get another championship, we're not as mad. I don't know. I yes. think you know what's so nice about that belt now is that it, it looks extra shiny when Roman Reigns' hair grease fucking drips all over it. It's fantastic, <laughs> fucking great. Uh, but you know, at the end of the day, I, I, you know, I just want Kevin Owens to win. Cooter, that's I have nothing else, no other desires, no other wishes. Just I want to see Kevin Owens remain Universal Champion all the way till WrestleMania, baby. Keep that belt. Uh, no need to change it right now. Fair enough. I can agree with that. That's the first thing we agreed on all night. God damn it. Well, hey man, you know you gotta end the show with something, uh, something agreeable, right? We 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 end we 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 end up on the same page, I guess, at the end of the day. But uh, you know, each and every week we're doing this another wrestling podcast. You can find us at anotherwrestlingpodcast.com. Like us, follow us, subscribe to the show on Stitcher, iTunes, Player FM, TuneIn, Podbean, whatever you're listening to, guys. Uh, like us when you like us, like us when you hate us, whatever. Just, you know, give us some feedback. We want to hear from you guys, no matter where you're listening to us in the world. Uh, I don't know, Kudo, what else could we say to end the show, baby? Next week, we will not be talking about a pay-per-view. <laughs> I don't care if it was in the week that was. It's not going to be in the week that was. We're going to talk strictly everything but a pay-per-view. Ugh, and probably James fucking Ellsworth.